Good evening. There's a lot of different ways that you go about preparing a lesson, and I probably have got one of the worst ways ever. One thing, I keep most of it in here for a longer, longer period of time than what I should, and so as I got a little bit older, I decided that I should start writing things down as they come to me. So I would write them down, have scraps of paper, and then when I got ready to sit down and put it all together, I spread them all out on the table and get them in order, you know, because by the time they actually come from here to paper to here, my goodness, they've changed around so many times, it's not even funny. Eric, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. So I thought this time I would actually make it even better. So I took all the notes that I had, and, and the other thing I used to do is I used to write it all down and never go through it. I would get up here and just give it straight off for the first time. I can't do that anymore. I'm too old to do that. It just it doesn't happen anymore. So what I thought I'd do this time is I'd write it all out nice and neat. And as I'm going through my notes, well, there's another thought. I had to scribble that one in here, and here was another, I had to scribble that one in. By the time I, I started off with four pages, now I've got 15. So, Keith, you may get your wish yet tonight. <laughs> the subject I've been given tonight is uh, free at last. Free at last. I'd like for you just to think for a moment. And the thing I really like down the bottom of the yellow piece of paper that it says, it says, subjects to be discussed. When Paul went into a new town, he went to the synagogue to do what with the people? Reason with them, to discuss things with them. So, thinking of the word discussion, when we think about something in this physical life that we would like to be freed from, what would you like to be freed from in this physical life? Brittany, money issues, money issues. That brings up Dave Ramsey to me. Anybody familiar with Dave Ramsey? Oh yeah, yeah. Not that we endorse anybody from the pulpit, but the man makes sense. The man makes sense, all right? Yeah, yeah. He says, uh, live like nobody else, so later on you can live and give like nobody else. He, he, makes, he makes it so that you want to get out of debt so you can keep your money, but not keep it. But also, like I've always said, this life is just a test and how much we are given. God is going to judge us when we stand before Him. So He wants you to give what God has given you back. The only way to attain... Perfect peace is what? Brittany, you know that one? To walk with the, the... The only way to attain perfect peace is to what? Walk with the Prince of Peace. That's another thing that David says. What else would you like to be free from besides debt? Pain. Pain. That's right. The old, up until I'm 52, 10 years younger than Dan Stretch. <laughs> Two years ago when I hit 50, I thought people were crazy until I turned 50. Older people, I'm saying. There was... Until I was 50, I was doing good. I didn't have any of those aches and pains. I didn't roll out of the bed in the morning going, or just not even moving. Yeah, aches and pains. What else? What else would you like to be freed from? Time. Time. Or time constraints. You're right. You're right. You're right. What else? Everybody else satisfied with what they got? You like being that way you are? Sin. Sin. Amen. Amen. We'd like to be freed from sin. Romans 6, 6.16 says, and it's already been spoken of today, if you uh, serve, whatever you serve, you become a slave to that. All right. Whenever I think about being freed from somebody in my past life, I was an addict to several different things in my past life. And many of you know that. I was a slave to certain things. I was a slave to nicotine for 22 years. There's a commercial place in Indiana. I don't know if it plays out here, but it's a, an anti-smoking commercial where the little guy... Taps the big guy and he says, come on, it's time, it's time. 
and a big guy has to stop what he's doing to follow this little guy out out of the out of the bowling alley or the restaurant, or whatever it was. The little guy is the nicotine, it's a cigarette. This great big huge man is a slave to this little cigarette. How about drugs, alcohol, things that we think of but that we need to that we shouldn't be addicted to. Smoking, gambling, drugs, foods. And the first of this year, I decided that I knew I was a uh, sugar addict. Yeah, imagine that. Doug, pay attention, okay? <clears throat> so the first of the year, my sister had done this several years ago. The first of this year, I decided that I was going to stop eating desserts. Yeah, yeah. First few weeks was really tough. I, I looked at the at the table out there you guys had, and I would look forward to it every year until this one. And it really didn't appeal to me because I haven't been. It's been six months now. You know, they say in 21 days you can you can uh, make a, make a habit. Well, it's been six months now. It really doesn't bother me. I was addicted to sugar. No more. I just couldn't help myself. How about shopping, ladies? I know somebody sitting on this side of the room that has issues with garage sales on this side of the room. Oh, Margaret's going to help you out, Lynette. Not that I'm saying you. I think she inherited it from her father. But just just saying. I've heard. I've heard. And then, of course, there's debt, a debt-free life. Yes, different things. Being freed from something usually costs us something. When I first stopped eating sugar, the guys at work, they bring in a box of donuts or something like that. And I'm the kind of guy that if I can not eat that first donut, I'm fine. I am fine. But if there's a dozen donuts there, and I have that first one at first thing in the morning, by the time I leave... In the evening, they're gone, and I've ate five or six. <laughs> Serious business. I, I just, I just, I was done with it. I'd eat so much, I'd feel miserable afterwards. I just, I just was miserable. Couldn't do it, so I gave up that. Being freed from something usually costs something. Friday was June the sixth. Seventy years ago, what happened on June the sixth? D Day. D Day. People that read, wrote in the, in the Indianapolis Star talked about it being one of the most pivotal points of the Second World War, that invasion. Does anybody know the staggering figure of, of men that died that day? 9,000 is what I heard. 9,000. 9,000. 9,000. That had to be a grandson. In the ultimate sacrifice for freedom, many, many men lost their lives so that others could be free. Many say that this was the turning point of the war in Europe. When the Allied forces liberated Europe later on, the gratitude of those being freed was overwhelming. There was no doubt about how they felt when the Allied forces rolled in there. They were happy. They were laughing. They were applauding. They were dancing in the street. You might even say they were happy, 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 right? They were extremely happy with what had happened to themselves. They were very happy in their new freedom. In the 1960s in this country, there was quite a bit of turmoil. I was born in 1961. All I know is what I've seen on the news. Somebody tell me what was going on in this country in the 1960s. Civil rights, exactly. Civil rights. One man that rose to the top of that was who? Martin Luther King Jr. And in his freedom of speech... He used, and I can say that here because I don't feel any kind of political incorrectness... He said, from that old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. And you don't think that freedom doesn't have a price? Not too long after that, Martin Luther King was assassinated by a man that didn't agree with his preferences. 
All throughout history, people gave of themselves so that others might be free. And the list goes on and on and on. But today, what we're going to talk about is being free from the sin. The sin. And the only one that could do that is Jesus Christ. He is the one that gave us freedom. And we're going to look at that today. Jesus died for all to have freedom from sin. The song says, We are captivated, but no longer bound by chains. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. We as human beings often rank or rate sins. Am I the only one that does that? Or do we think of one sin more worse than the other? Yeah. yeah. This one's worse than that one. This one's not as bad. Especially if it's a sin that I participate in, it's not that bad, right? Gentlemen, married men... How do I look in this dress? Our wife asks us. How do you think you look in that dress? 30 years. Yeah. Doug, you're taking notes, aren't you? Okay. How do you feel like you look in that dress? If you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter, verses 9 and 10. It says here, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Those are some pretty bad sinners, aren't they? People that commit them? Terrible, terrible people. Go over to Revelation 21st chapter and verse 8. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. Gentlemen, how does your wife look in that dress? All liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. God doesn't rate sins. He doesn't rank them as far as one. Sin is sin to God. We are the ones that put the difference to it. We need to watch out how we do that. We don't need to do that at all. And speaking of sins and sinners, I'd like to look at David for a few minutes. In 2 Samuel, the 11th and 12th chapter, what were some of David's sins? I'm sorry? Bathsheba. Well, Bathsheba, oh, come on on that. Adultery, thank you. Bathsheba, that was the all-in-one. Okay, we're done with that. David, okay. <laughs> uh, adultery, murder. What did he first do when he saw her? What it was somebody else's? For coveted, exactly, exactly. He coveted, and adultery, and then murder. Was there anything else that David did? And those that was a trifecta for him. Lying. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. You know the thing that always amazed me about this story was the fact that the person bringing the Bathsheba to the king didn't ever say anything to him about, hey, didn't you realize this is wrong? They knew that Bathsheba was, was Uriah's wife, but they never spoke against the king. And I guess in those days, if you spoke against the king, that was it. So maybe that's why it's not recorded to us that they did that. Maybe they did not do that. In verse 13, it says that the Lord has taken away your sin. Before that, Nathan tells David, he says, the Lord is not going to take your life. So evidently, something this sin that he had committed was worthy of death. 
But God wasn't going to take... Why did not God take David's life? What was so special about David to God? What does Scripture tell us about him? He's in the lineage of Christ and it says he was after God's own heart. Exactly what made him that way? Look at ourselves. Look at ourselves. Are we not men after God's own heart? Ladies after God's own heart? Because when we sin and we realize we sin, what do we do? The same thing that David did. We go to Him and ask for forgiveness and try our best as we can not to go back to that sin again. Try as best as we can. David goes on to write in, in Psalms 103, verses 10 and 12. He says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness to those, towards those who fear or revere Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. Just as the Father has compassion on His children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. You know, if you look at the globe and you start going north, by the time you get up to the top, you have to start going down and you go south. If you look at the globe also and you start heading east, when do you start going west if you don't change direction? You never do. That's what God has done with the sins of David. He says, He has removed them. They are so far away from me that I don't have to worry about them anymore. The same as ours. The same as ours. And God says, I will remember them no more. Let's go to the New Testament and look at Paul. In 1 Timothy, the first chapter. Starting in verse 12, it says, I thank Christ Jesus, Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because He considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was, a form, I was formerly a blasphemy, blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and the love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am the foremost of all. The King James Version says, I am the chief. I am the number one sinner. That's a strong claim to make about yourself. And that's what Paul said he was. I am number one when it comes to sin. Verse 16 says, For this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate His perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in Him for eternal life. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul says that he was used to show the mercy of God. And the way I look at it too, he was used to show that I can be used also, the same as you can. I don't know how many times I've talked to people about their, their life with Jesus Christ and their comment was, well, if I ever came into a church, the place would come down around me. They are no different than what I am and what you are. Sin is sin in God's eyes. Did either one of these men allow their sins to hold them back the rest of their lives? But they, look at the sins they committed. It was sin, Steve. That's what it was. It was sin. In the Red Psalm book, we sing number 561. It is well with my soul. The one verse that says, 
My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to His cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. I don't have sin in my life anymore because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The only reason I have it is because I allow it to come in. But I do not have that what I had before. If I sing this song and read the Scriptures and believe what Christ died for me to set me free from sin, then why do I have issues about my sins? About forgiving myself? Why can I not do that? Why can you not do that? In the Blue Song book, there's a song number 204. And the title of that song is, Who Am I? And in that song, it asks the question, Who am I that I would deserve that a king would come down and die for me? Who am I that God would send His only Son? I did not deserve it, but yet He went to the cross for my sins. I ask that question when I look at my past sins. Who am I to deny the grace of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ on my sins, to say, I want to continue to remember my sins and not forgive myself? Who am I? I am not anybody. God is the one that forgives my sins. I'm the one that hold them, hold on to them. Our forgiveness lies in the sacrifice that Christ made for us on the cross. One reason I feel like we have issues with our past sins is sometimes our brothers and sisters in Christ won't allow us to forget them. Because of that rating, that ranking. Steve, I know what you did. And because I think this sin is worse than some others, I'm going to hold that against you and never embrace you fully as a brother that I should be. But that's, that's up to me because I'm not going to forgive you of that sin. I had a brother one time. I went forward for my sins. And when most of the brothers and sisters were thanking me for coming forward and, and telling me they were praying for me, he grabbed me by the shoulders and looked at me and he says, I can't believe you did all those things. If I would have known you were doing those things, I would have grabbed a hold of you and shook you. I'm so ashamed of you. And I thought for a second, I said, thanks for the love, brother, to myself. The man missed the point completely. Someone asking for forgiveness. Liars, adulterers, murderers, thieves, all lumped together to burn for all eternity, not just the ones that carries more weight than other in our opinion. All sins were paid for on the cross. I don't know who asked for this subject to be talked about this evening, or who asked that I should be the one to share my thoughts on it but thank you thank you very much in my unwillingness to forgive myself there are three things that happened to me I felt judgment I felt guilt and I felt shame and part of this I'll be saying you and part of this I'll be saying me and part of this I'll be saying us you know what they say when you get to go to the shoe store if the shoe fits you can wear it home All these, these three things, judgment, guilt, and shame, were all weights, if you will, that held me down. For me, it was the guilt that I wallowed in. The shame of what I had done, 
lasted a number of years. And when I would see members of the body at a church meeting such as this, I couldn't hardly look anybody in the face because for some reason I felt like I was the only one that had made such a mess in my life. And I feared the judgment if they looked at me. And in the shame that I also felt, and in that shame I also felt the judgment of the body, whether it was real or imaginary, I felt like people were looking at me and saying just that, what are you doing here? You don't deserve this. It took years for me to get past the feelings of guilt and not being able to forgive myself. The worst time the guilt would ever come back to me is when I would see people from my past. I'm talking over 30 years ago. And the people that I saw and had the opportunity to talk with them, their lives were all messed up. They didn't have Jesus in their life. And the choices they had made in the past 30 years were terrible things. And the guilt that I felt because I was part of that, because of the things that I had done, I felt like I was responsible for what their lives had turned out. As my children grew older, I would look at my children and see of their lack of spiritual directness. And I would ask myself the question, if I had only been the spiritual leader when my children were small, would they be stronger in the Lord today than they are? I would allow these two things to affect me in such a way that it was hard for me to continue on doing things I normally did. Go to work. Talk with people. All I wanted to do was sit and cry because I had so much guilt for the sins that God had already forgiven me for. And my brothers and sisters in Christ had already forgiven me for. But I chose to carry on and hold those. A very dear woman at Chapel Glen. She told me, she said, Steve, it's time for you to stop what you're doing. God has forgiven you. Others have forgiven you. It's time to forgive yourself and move on. It's time to let it go, Steve. Just let it go. During that time, the only person that was happy was Satan. And you know why? Because he had me right back where he wanted me. He had me questioning the forgiveness of God's power for my sins. He wanted me to question the relationship that I had with the Lord. And he wanted me to stay in the condition that I was. Because in that condition, I wasn't accepting of the gift that God was giving me. If you in your life have come before the Lord, repented of your sins, and you're immersed, your sins are washed away. We need to come to the realization that by the power of God, that all our old sins are passed, are passed away. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, and all old things are gone away. Look at Paul. Look what Paul was before. 
If Paul was here today, he'd want to, and he was Saul, he would want to send all of us to our death because that's the way he was doing. In raiding sins, can you think of anybody else, anybody that would be worse than murdering Christians? That's why Paul says, I was the chief. I was the foremost. I was number one. But he says, I am a new creature. The same as you can be. We need to be able to love and accept the person that Christ has made in us and forgive ourselves as Christ has forgiven us. If I don't forgive myself, I am denying the work that Jesus accomplished for me on the cross. If in fact my sins are forgiven, I need to see myself separated from my sins. But watch out because our enemy Satan will constantly try to remind me of my past to the point that I continue to beat myself up over sins that my Lord and Savior died for when he went to the cross for them. When I am the recipient of a gift, when I, the recipient of a gift, receives it gladly and with joy, the giver is glorified. But when I, the recipient, receives the gift, but I ignore it, the gift giver is mocked, belittled, and feels unappreciated. When God's Word tells us that we have been all that our sins have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ through the atoning work that Jesus died for us, yet we still kick ourselves over our mistakes, then we are basically saying, "I don't care what the blood of Jesus Christ has done; I still hate myself for what I have done." Hebrews one three tells us that Christ has purged our sins. If we fail to forgive ourselves, we are calling God's word a liar. And that's something I don't want to be, calling God's Word a liar. How do we forgive ourselves and become free at last? First thing we need to do is be honest with ourselves. We need to realize that we're not happy with the person of our past. An addict, before he can actually get any kind of help, has to realize one of the first things they taught me in Alcoholics Anonymous was, Steve, you got to admit that you got a problem. And once you admit you have a problem, then we can start giving you the solution. But until you realize that you're a drunk, nothing's going to work. So until you realize that you're not allowing God to forgive you because you choose not to, nothing we say today is going to have a difference made in your life. Nothing. If you need to, list all the things in your past that you hate. One by one, put them down on a piece of paper and then give them over to God. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us as far as our cares and anxieties, He says, cast all of your cares on me because God cares for you. He said, doesn't say, just give me the big ones you can't handle, Steve. Give me all of them. And when it comes to my sins, I need to take the ones that I feel are really, really bad and give them over to God because they're all just sins to God. The second thing is we must realize that the debt is paid in full. If Christ paid the debt, yet I continue to live in my past sins, then I am rejecting the gift. 1 John 1, nine tells us that He has forgiven our sins and all of our unrighteousness. Luke the 7th chapter, verses 36-48, through there's a woman that comes and the Pharisees are there and she comes to Jesus and she anoints His feet with oil and she cries and puts her tears on His feet and she wipes His feet with her, with her hair. Jesus is critical of them because they didn't do any of those things for Him. Didn't ask Him. Didn't wipe His feet off or anything. Didn't make Him feel refreshed. But the thing that sticks out in my mind is the Pharisees say that she was a known sinner. Two different times it says that. And then when Jesus is critical of them, He says, you know what? 
Though her sins are many, they are all wiped away because her faith has made her whole. All of them. She had the reputation that some of us have had in our lives as being sinners, and the world knew that. Didn't matter to Jesus. The third thing is to see the new creature of Christ within us. We need to see our past as paid in full by what Christ did for us on the cross. As we already alluded to Psalms 103, verse 12, our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Failing to see ourselves as God's Word sees us is denying the very work that Jesus did for us when He suffered and died on our behalf. Don't let this continue in your life another day. If you're having issues with forgiving yourself, get over it. Move on. Let it go. Accept the free gift of God and begin to see yourself as a new creature in Jesus Christ, whose past failures have been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus that He shed on the cross for us. Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 1 and 2 tell us, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. You believe that to be true? Amen. Amen. Then every one of you can say just as the same thing that Martin Luther King Jr. said, Free at last! Free at last! Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Thank you for your attention.